It's wonderful to be here with all of you today. I thought about what I might talk on this morning, and I think it's appropriate in a time of unrest for the child of God to have victorious optimism. Sometimes the negative circumstances that surround us cause us to be pessimistic about the future, and I think that's normal. You know, people have said in my life that I'm a positive person, but not all the time. I think all of us find times, even though we consider ourselves to be a, a, a positive person, that there are times when we're negative, and there's reasons because of the circumstances surrounding us. What did the Apostle Paul say, though? This was his life. And in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, he said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, this phrase, forgetting those things that are behind, could mean a number of things. Scholars say that it could be many things he could have plugged into, into that statement from a general statement. For example, it might have been persecutions or whatever, and he put those things behind. But I think it's more than that. I think the context here in looking at his life, he's saying this, I'm forgetting those negative things which I was a part of before I became a Christian. In other words, where Paul said, I persecuted the church and wasted it. He said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He said, I'm the least of the apostles and all of that. But what he's saying is, he's saying, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm making the choice to leave them behind. And there's one reason, because I am forgiven. Please keep that word in your mind as we go forward about being forgiven. Paul understood that he had a work to do. Paul understood that. And God gives us a work to do also. And his power is found in his word. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, this is a very familiar passage. And it's also talking about when we obey the gospel. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. So it's talking about the power that the gospel has. It has the power to save. But there's more. What about after we become a Christian? Notice this passage. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That is the word of God. In our sermon today, this little short sermon, I want to talk about reasons to be optimistic. But there's three things we have to do. If we're going to be optimistic about the future... There's three things we must do. Number one, we must bury the past. Number two, we have to look ahead. And number three, we have to put our complete trust in the Lord and remember God in all that we do. They are our three very brief points today. But number one, let me talk about burying the past. Now, I'm not saying we can't learn from the past. In fact, we learn from our mistakes. We get wisdom from the mistakes that we make and we make it through and we look back on that mistake and we realize that was something we shouldn't have done and we learn from that. So we do learn from the past. 
In fact, even the Bible declares that the things that were written aforetime were for our learning. And even the negative things that happened in the Old Testament, they're for our learning. And we can learn from things of the past. What I'm saying is, though, we cannot allow the negative things of the past to determine our outlook for the future. We can't do that. Look at the life of Joshua. And by the way, sometimes we have a negative attitude for the future because of fear and because of things that have happened in the past. And sometimes it gives us a pessimistic attitude. But let's look to the life of Joshua. Joshua had courage to move forward in the midst of a negative circumstance or negative event. Beginning there in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. In verse 6, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. One more passage, one more verse, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua had courage because of what God had said to him. Sometimes we think that we have no future. All is lost, negative thoughts, because the circumstances that surround us. And I got to tell you, we are living in a time of unrest. There are so many things we're uncertain of. But I'm talking to the child of God, though. I'm talking, talking to a Christian today has victorious optimism. But we have to have courage. We have to remain strong. Also, something else, too. Something else that we oftentimes fall in, I guess, pray to. And that is not only the circumstances from the past, but even our own poor choices. And sometimes people can't get past the poor choices of the past and can't move forward. And because of that, it causes them to be pessimistic about what they could do that's good for the cause of Christ. But notice this, though, forgiving past mistakes. In Matthew chapter 18, this is very familiar, 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, an infinite amount of time. Now we understand this. The idea is, if I don't forgive you, then God won't forgive me. And we know that. I don't have a problem forgiving somebody. I don't hold grudges because that's just not my weakness. Maybe I, oh, I have all kinds of weaknesses. That's not one of them. But there's something else here too. Have you ever stopped to consider what God thinks of us when we don't forgive ourselves? We can ask God to forgive us. And if God has forgiven us, we need to forgive ourselves. Sometimes it's a very difficult task. It's very difficult to forgive ourselves, and we can't get past that. But we have to cast it aside. We've got to turn and bury the past and be better in the future than we've ever been in days gone by. That's what we do. We have to let it go. Years ago, a preacher, Joe Heisel, was preaching a sermon, and he talked about 
The idea of this one sister in Christ came forward one, uh, after one sermon that he preached. And she said, I've been asking God to forgive me for 20 years. And I just don't know if I'm forgiven. And I can't get past it. And I remember what Joe said to this sister. He said, the first time that you asked God to forgive you, did you mean it? Well, yeah. Did you repent? Well, yeah. And you confessed that sin to God? Absolutely. Joe said, it's very sad. I feel very bad for you. But 20 years ago, the first time God forgave you then, it's time to lay it down. It's time to lay the weight down. Sometimes we're pessimistic and we're not optimistic for the future because we can't get past our past mistakes. It's, a, it's time, though, to do that, and we have to do that in our life. 2 Corinthians 6 and 2. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Our decisions occur in the present. Our actions occur in the present. So we must live in the present. How we do that, number one, we got to bury the past. Number two, point number two, we have to look ahead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and beginning there in verse 24, this is what Paul says. Do you not know that those who run in a race run, all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So it's not only a matter of running in this race. We have to run it three ways. Number one, you got to run the race to obtain the prize. That's got to be our mindset, our thinking. I'm not just going through the motions. And he says, not as a boxer or a fighter that beats the air, kind of like shadow boxing. I got a target. So when I run this race, I have to run to obtain it. What else? I have to do so with certainty. And what else? I have to discipline my body. So I run to obtain it. I run it with certainty, and I run it with discipline. And the Word of God teaches us how we can do that. We have not finished the race because we are still running it. If you're alive and well, you are still running the race. So you have to continue to do that. I want to notice a very encouraging passage that sometimes is misunderstood, and it's found in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 and in Hebrews chapter 11, we find all of those incidents or all of those characters that were great characters of faith. And then he begins the 12th chapter and he says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The next verse says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Very encouraging passages, and it shows our mindset and our focus. 
But notice the first part of this verse. We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? Well, the cloud of witnesses are the ancient worthies that have gone before. And in particular, and in context, all of those heroes of faith that are given in chapter 11. Now, does this mean that they are sitting somewhere in some great heavenly amphitheater looking down at us and cheering us on? No, they're not looking to us. We are looking to them. We are looking at the example of their life. And you know what that's doing? Their example is encouraging us, is cheering us on. The Bible says there's nothing known under the sun when we pass from this life. So in other words, they don't see us. They're not looking at us. They're not clapping for us and cheering for us. But what are we doing? Their example is giving us encouragement that if they can do it, so can I. I can run the race too. Very encouraging passage of scripture. Now, have you ever stopped to consider what God can do with you and how God can use you in your life for that which is good? Don't ever think that God can't use me. Don't ever think that, you know, I've done so many bad things. There's no way God can use me. Don't ever think that. Look at a good work as a good work. What's the Bible say about that? In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, very encouraging passage. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So let's look to the future things. Let's look to the future tasks. Let's look to the passage that I first put on the screen as our introductory text. We're going to tackle the last part of it now. Notice, in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, what did he say? I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I'm going to lay aside the things of the past. What else am I going to do? I'm going to look ahead and press forward. And I'm going to press for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, that is proactive. You're pressing forward for the prize. And you're doing that which is a good work in accordance with the word of God. Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I know... That discouragement is real. I'm going to say something here. Don't take this the wrong way. But if you say you're, you've never been discouraged, you're lying. I went on a limb on that. But if you say that you've never been discouraged, I think you're lying. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. Sometimes church leaders and preachers get discouraged, too. Absolutely. So we look to the word of God for encouragement. Notice what Paul said. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart. In the midst of all the pessimistic things in the world, we are optimistic and we do not lose heart. Why? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know when the Bible talks about body exercise profiteth little? The King James phrases it like that. I once heard somebody say, see, exercise is not important. That's not what that means. 
It means that there is a time frame that the exercise can benefit you. But spiritual exercise, renewing day by day, is helping you for the rest of your life and in eternity. That's what that means. Finally, my last point, and I'm finished. Not only do we have to bury the past, we can't be negatively influenced by things of the past and have a pessimistic idea for the future because of the past. Got to bury it. Number two, got to look forward. You got to press on for the mark. You can't turn back. You can't look back. But thirdly and finally, you got to put your complete trust in God and his son, Jesus Christ. And you have to remember God in all that you do. I'm going to tell you, you either trust God or you don't. You can't say, I trust God and then doubt. Can't do it. Those are opposite things to each other. So you have to put your faith and trust in God. And even in the midst of what's going on right now, do you put your faith and trust in God in all things? In Jesus Christ, the Bible says that all things are new. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Philippians chapter 4. I love this. Beginning in verse 11. Now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I remember as a young man, I wasn't very content and I wasn't very patient. In time, as you get older, it's easier to be patient and it's easier to be content. In fact, I don't feel quite so bad that I once felt that way, but now I'm doing a little better. Because you know what the Apostle Paul said? The greatest preacher the world ever knew, save Jesus Christ himself, perhaps. He said, I've learned that whatever state I am, therewith to be content. But he goes further. And know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it doesn't matter the circumstances around us. You might say, well, I can't. Yeah, you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And, you know, in a world filled with chaos, there's one thing the world can't do anything to. You know what that is? That's the church. The world can't do anything to the church because it's an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12 and 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, the word reverence and godly fear is virtually the same thing. And perhaps it's placed there for emphasis uh, purposes. But in that, the idea of being with godly fear or reverence, it means this. A profound regard for God and resolve to treat him with full devotion. That's what God wants, us to treat him with full devotion. And we have to remember God in all that we do. So we have to put our trust in God, our faith in God, and we have to remember him in all that we do. One final passage, and I'm finished. It's found in James chapter 4. And here James is condemning presumptuous planning. In other words, I got all these business plans. I've laid the map out. I'm a Jewish merchant, as was the context of what he was referring to. And I'm going to go over here to this place over here. I'm going to buy and sell and get gain. I'm going to do all that great stuff. I'm going to stay for a year. 
But James says there's something that you're not taking into consideration. And that is this. You don't even know if tomorrow will exist. You may be gone. What is your life? It's a vapor. So what you ought to say is this. He says, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So practically speaking, yeah, let's say these are my plans. Lord willing. Or if the Lord wills, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to do so and so. Lord willing. And when we talk about Lord willing or if the Lord wills, we're talking about whether he permits. Do you see the picture? If we're going to have optimism moving forward in our life, we got to bury the past. Don't be negatively influenced by negative things. Number two, we got to look ahead and run the race with certainty that's set before us. And number three, we got to put our complete trust in Jesus Christ, God the Father. Let's remember God in everything that we do. And if we do that, we can be optimistic moving forward regardless of the circumstances of life. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.